Welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave, where we chat with amazing women within the worlds of sports, fitness, wellness, and business who aren't afraid to keep it real. Every week, we talk careers, relationships, and most importantly, the practice of self-care. Uncensored and unapologetic, you'll walk away from every episode with real-life takeaways and advice. No BS or fluff. I'm your host, Crystal Rose, and I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to the very first official episode of the Rebel Babe Cave. I cannot believe it's finally here, and I can't tell you how excited I am for you to meet all of these awesome women that I have coming up. But first things first, like I told you in my intro episode, before we get into our guest, I'm going to share a little bit about my self-love journey. And this week, I want to tell you a little bit about my feelings around launching this podcast. You guys, this was so scary. I guess I was feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome, which is like something I rarely think about or deal with, but it was, it was raging leading up to this launch. I kept thinking, what if I suck and everyone hates it? What even makes me think I'm qualified to do this? And... I've been bleeding Instagram followers over the last six months. Like that's a clear indicator that people don't like me or what I have to say. So like, what am I even doing? But after, you know, spending months working on the podcast, hiring people to help with editing and compiling all these interviews with women who are just downright incredible, I just suddenly was like, I want out. Why? Why did I feel this way? You know, realistically, I really do. I know that I have a lot of work to do as a podcast host. (laughs) I'm not afraid to admit it. My brain tends to get like ahead of the rest of me and I can ramble and I get a little bit unfocused. Sometimes I suck at articulating a thought or a question. And sometimes I use crutch words like I'll just be like, awesome, awesome. Or I'll say like a hundred times and you'll probably hate me for it. Or I'll talk over a guest and I just want to slap myself when I do that. But you know what? All of those things are okay. The real problem is I let all of those things get into my head and tell me I wasn't good enough. But I know that's not true because I am good enough. I do know that I have a lot to work on and I'm dedicated to working on it. And I am definitely not going to just quit, especially not before I get started. I think it's really a good opportunity to show you guys what it's like to have these thoughts and feelings and then push forward anyway. I think that's kind of the point of the podcast and how a lot of successful women operate. You know, there are feelings of inadequacy or imposter syndrome or insecurity or fear, but the difference is rather than letting those things stop us, we just move forward. So warning, I'm not the perfect podcast host. But I promise I'm working on getting better at it. So just please bear with me. Anyway, let's talk about our first guest, Tiana Bartoletta. Like, ah, ah. (laughs) I stumbled across Tiana on Instagram and I just immediately fell in love with her. She's so beautiful. She's got this gorgeous muscular body. She's super real. And she is a three-time Olympic gold medalist, you guys. Like, so accomplished. Incredible. And really, like after talking to her, I knew she had to be the first guest because she just embodies the hell out of self-love and what being a rebel babe is. You guys are seriously going to flip over her. 
Tiana is a professional track and field athlete that represents the USA in international competitions, specializing in the sprints and long jump. She has three world championship gold medals spanning from 2005 to present, three world championship bronze medals, and three Olympic gold medals. She also holds a world record. Tiana Bartoletto, welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. You're freaking incredible. I don't even know how I stumbled across you. <laughs> I don't remember, but I'm glad I know. <laughs> I'm so glad I did because you're a badass. I mean, you're a champion. And I think that our listeners are going to get a lot out of hearing from you. Thank you. First thing I like to do is something we call GGB, which is goals, gratitude, and badassery. Okay. So I want you to tell me one goal you have right now. One thing that you're grateful for, or can be many, and most of us are grateful for more than one thing, and something badass either that you've done recently or that you're proud of. Okay. Goal, make the 2020 Olympic team for USA so that I can defend my title. Yes. <laughs> something I'm grateful for. Sounds cliche, but I am really grateful for my health because without really knowing my health was actually quite poor. So trying to compete and train at such a high level was impossible. And I was getting quite discouraged because it wasn't going well. And I had no idea that it was tied to my health. So I'm really grateful that I know that now and that my health is on the way back up. Badassery, is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> what are you proud of? <laughs> so, um, one of the things that I'm secretly most proud of was that for the past two plus years, I have been going through a contentious divorce in and out of divorce court. And I'm really proud because there were so many times when I was just like, I cannot fight anymore and wanted to give up and maybe gave up for like two days, but I kept coming back and kept sticking up for myself, which was something that I had not done, which is why I was in that position to start with. So I'm really proud of that stamina and what it took and glad to say that since Monday, it's over. So oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank that you. amazing. Oh, rough. That is amazing. Rough, yeah. Monday. Monday. And isn't your birthday, is your birthday tomorrow? Is that... It is. Yeah. yeah. Happy birthday. What, what a good birthday present. <laughs> I love it. So you're training right now to compete in the Olympics. So I'm kind of in this, it's like a lull period. Okay. I'm moving around, but it's not what I would consider specific training yet. Okay. So it looks more like general fitness because I have to give my body time to recover from the last season. Because if you don't do that, then you can't really build on anything. Right. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of recovering, recharging, rebuilding without losing my fitness too much so that I can start over and start training. So like about when do you start intensely training for? So like in a regular year that? with a regular schedule, I think fall training starts typically in October. Mm -hmm. I could push it back to November if I decide to skip indoor or something. Right now, I plan to compete indoor, so I will start in October. The interesting thing about that is the track season this year doesn't end until October, so most people probably won't start until December, which is the latest start for a pro athlete. So you kind of like, you set yourself up to peak in your competition, correct? 
Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to look at the calendar. So using this year as an example, World Championships is in October. And then you work backwards. And that kind of determines your start date. You fill the calendar in with important events like your national championships where you don't want to be dead because you've worked so hard. (laughs) But other than that, like, yeah, you peak for your national championships, you peak for world championships and schedule everything in between accordingly. Wow. So what does a day of high level competition training look like? So I'm both a jumper and a sprinter. So I have really, really long days because I like to because I'm crazy and because I enjoy it and because most of the time the schedule forces me to, I train both on the same day. And mm. so what a typical combo day for me looks like is I warm up for about 45 minutes to an hour, usually closer to 45 minutes now. And then I'll go to the long jump pit and I'll do six to nine full approaches with like a takeoff. I don't do a lot of jumps in practice because the knees, the ankles, it's just, it really, really beats you up. But if for me, because I'm fast, if I just get really comfortable with that speed on the runway, that's like half the battle for me. Then I go from there right to the blocks or I run accelerations on the track, 40, 60, 90s. And I'll do maybe a longer one, 120, 150 to test fitness. And that's like the track session. Then I take a break refuel a bit and then I go into the gym where I spend probably another two hours doing the Olympic lifts or wherever I am in the strength program yeah it's about six hours a day all in so like strength is a big part of it because you're I mean you wouldn't think just from the outside looking in you're a jumper you're a sprinter like you just run all the time right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. that, but those two events especially are explosive Right. And what that means is you have to somehow be able to generate the ability to go from like zero to 100 from like static. And to do that, you have to lift weights. You have to train your body to move all of that weight from standing still, which is the same motion and the same thing we ask of ourselves on the track or when a sprinter's in the blocks, you're asking your body to go from, I need you to go from <laughs> zero and not moving at all to Bad out of hell. And <laughs> actually, in the weight room, obviously you can sprint, and you can run without lifting weights, right. but to generate the force required to get the speed we want, these world class levels, we have to train that in the gym. Right. Olympic lifting is the very explosive compound movements. So, what's your jerk? <laughs> oh, I don't jerk anymore. No, no, I do some split jerks and. I haven't been in the gym in a while because it's that time of year where you kind of just leave it alone because you feel like you're So that's not one of my go-tos. We kind of move to that when I'm in competition because it's such a fast movement. Yeah. So light. <laughs> so I do light <laughs> fast when I'm in competition. In the fall, when I have to like lift a lot of weight to build that base, that's when we're doing the power cleans and the deadlifts and the hang cleans. And those are like the big numbers. What are they? Tell me. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me think about this. Okay, can I use pounds or do I need to use kilos? You can use pounds. Okay, my power clean personal best is 250. That's my max, 250 pounds. Damn. Uh, my deadlift max is 395. My hang clean is 235. Yeah, that's where we're at right now with those three. I don't squat at all. No? Because I don't like to squat. It's because I have 
scoliosis and degenerated disc in my back. And it's just kind of like a preventative. Yeah. yeah. There's no need, if you don't need to do it, then why? Find other ways. Yeah. Crazy. Look, you're so strong. How tall are you? I'm five, five. Okay. So you're not super tall. You look super long and it's probably because you're, you're very lean, but you look super long in a lot of your pictures. It's an illusion because actually, <laughs> my legs are long. My like torso is kind of short. So it's like, it's an illusion of length because I have long legs. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm built like a chicken nugget. I'm like barely five three. So, you know, you would think that you'd be towering over me, but you're not that much taller. So it's just my ponytail that will make me, <laughs> make me look taller. <laughs> So tell me about the health issues that popped up and how you figured it out and like what you're doing in your training and your everyday life to kind of navigate that. So on the physical side, last year, I sprained my ankle in a competition and I'm a jumper. So it's kind of like occupational hazard that you sprain your ankle. This one was kind of bad and it ended my season early. And I did all the rehab and stuff and I went through my fall training, no problem. But when I got to specific training, kind of like we were referring to earlier, when you move from general to specific, my ankles just, they were inflamed and in pain and just didn't feel like it was healed at all. But because I had gone through the rehab program, I was like, I don't know what it is, but I'm just keep moving forward. And I would kind of maybe take some Advil or rest a little bit longer and then go again. So I was like really beating this ankle up, but I felt like I had no choice. The world championship year, you do what you got to do, you know? So I was dealing with that at the same time, my menstrual cycle was changing and I did not understand. It always came on time. It was pretty regular, but it went from five days, three, which were heavy. And then the other two were just like, we're leaving. We're on our way out. (laughs) (laughs) to 14 heavy oh my god yeah and it didn't increase by like now it's six days and now it's seven days it was like five two weeks (laughs) it's like I'm dying I'm this is how it ends right like (laughs) (laughs) except I didn't feel so different physically I just was inconvenienced (laughs) that's how I I like this is so inconvenient (laughs) but I continued to train and I was only slightly worried about what may have caused the menstrual cycle to change. So I know as a female, that's your body telling you something that doesn't just change on its own. And it's something that I watch closely because if you get too lean, it disappears, you know, and all this stuff. So it's like a really good benchmark for where you're at. So I did one of those home test kits because I love home test kits. I would test anything if I could. <laughs> like I'm too scared. I'm too scared to poke my finger. I have a, a food sensitivity test literally sitting there and it has four months because I just, like, yeah, I can't do I did, I did my, I gave myself a pep talk. I put my <laughs> finger down on the desk and I just was like, go. Like I, just, I, I had an issue with it too, but I did it. I did it. And I'm glad I did because it revealed a thyroid dysfunction. Wow. But I couldn't really do anything about it and have the financial resources to go find that specialist. And I don't know if you try to look for a doctor in this like latest healthcare mm-hmm. landscape we have going on, but it was like pretty impossible. So yeah. I put the results up on my cork board and was like, return to this mm-hmm. when you have time to be frustrated. And right now I have time because I'm training and I'm trying to do this stuff. 
so I can keep going. And obviously the ankle just got worse over time. I decided to switch legs at the last minute just so I wouldn't like roll over and give up my season. But as expected, it wasn't, you know, enough time to get back and make the team. So again, my season ended earlier, but because it ended earlier, I decided to go get my ankle actually looked at at the Olympic Training Center. And that's free for me, thank God, because I'm the reigning Olympic champion and it's an arrangement Team USA has with their tier one athletes. So I'm really grateful for that. So that's all arranged. I go to Colorado Springs, I check in, and then I pass out in the lobby. Oh my God. Passed out. And I've never fainted, collapsed, or anything before in my life. So I was like kind of concerned. I wrote about it in my blog post, True Blood. It was really, really strange. I was not there for that, but because it was like an emergency situation, it triggered the medical team on site to do all these tests. And we found out that I was severely anemic Mm. and that it was caused by the blood loss created by my menstrual cycle. And so I was able to get started on iron infusions and they were able to check out my thyroid. And so now all of a sudden, all these health issues have solutions. And while I was there, my ankle was also fixed. So like, now I'm back on track. And so I should have said on the gratitude or the grateful question you asked first, uh, that I'm grateful that I collapsed in the middle of a lobby at the Olympic Training Center because that pretty turned everything around. And I don't like to project that I'm discouraged, but it happens. This is a very hard sport and career to maintain. But over time, like if you have so many bad seasons in a row or what I consider bad seasons, you start to ask that question like, do I still have it? Is it worth it? And it was nice to see that it wasn't exactly me in my effort, but definitely health in like, I could point to specific causes. And so it really fired me up to go forward for the next year. That's amazing. Isn't it wild that I think as women, we just kind of are like, all right, well, I don't have time to deal with this right now. So let's pin this to my mental cork board and I'll address it later when I have time. Mm -hmm. Then we put ourselves in an even worse position because it's like you said, it's our body being like, hi, hello, (laughs) something is wrong. Yeah, we're queens at compartmentalizing things because I don't think I know any female, I don't know any women who only have one thing to do. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like, I know some men who only have one job. Like, you have one job. I don't know (laughs) any women that have just one job. Not one. No. Really used to, like, just, okay, this goes in this box and this goes here and this goes here. And most of the time it's to our own detriment because most of us are always of service to other things or other people. Right. And we're constantly pouring out of like a half empty or almost completely empty cup thinking like that's more important Mm -hmm. uh, than looking at ourselves. And it's the whole thing with the menstrual cycle too. I think, you know, we've had our period since forever and we're been on, on and off birth control. And I think that we just kind of are like, ah, weird my period's a little late, no big deal. Or, oh, it's running a little longer and you just kind of move on. Whereas, like you said, it's like an alarm system. Yeah, for me, it's I definitely am very attentive. One, because getting pregnant is yeah. like... <laughs> that's a career killer right there. That's early retirement. In my case, I know there are a lot of women who get pregnant and come back, but I know my personality. 
I can barely be motivated to go to the track when I get a new puppy. I'm not <laughs> going to work with a new baby. Out. Right. I, just, I know me, I can't do it. I do pay attention to that. I, you know, like I know when I'm ovulating, I know when it's supposed to come. I know when it's late. And yes, it's definitely alarm system, but that is tied strictly to my job. Right. I think that if it wasn't, I'd probably be more like, huh, that's weird. <laughs> and, then, and then keep it moving. But for me, it's like, wait, 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 something's going on here. So I have to take it a little more seriously, especially because birth control isn't a great fix for an athlete because of the hormones and all the testing. And like, it's such a thin line between what makes a person an elite athlete or not. I mean, you see it play out with my friend, Caster Samania, who has high testosterone levels because she has extra sex chromosome. So it's just like wow. introducing hormones to your body, even like just to manage a period could be the difference between that hundredth of a second. And I mean, I lost an Olympic medal by four hundredths of a second. So you kind of wonder, you're like, you got to be careful. So yeah, I pay attention to all those things. Smart. So Okay, your most embarrassing moment as an athlete. Would you say it was that relay incident? <laughs> or <laughs> the one where I slid to a stop? <laughs> I saw on your Instagram you have like the image of you like straight up upside down and then what the internet did with it by yes. hobby. And I just thought that was so great of you to have such a sense of humor. They have no chill at all. And I'm not embarrassed. I'm not actually embarrassed about that, but I'm glad you bring that up because I laid on that track forever because nobody came to check on me. I was thinking like, if this isn't indicative of my life right now, I don't know what is. And so it kind of was funny to me, even in that moment. And I just, I didn't care enough about the situation either way to be embarrassed. I had like other things. Yeah. I have two. I think they might be not as a professional though. When I was in university, I was very sick, but in order to qualify for nationals, almost like it is as a pro, you have to compete at like the qualifying meet. So even though I was ranked number one, I had to come to this competition. My coach is trying to appeal on my behalf because I had strep throat and I had been on IVs and all this stuff and antibiotics. So, (laughs) and I just have to compete. I'm in the hundred. And I get to like 60 meters and I like try to go again. And I basically shit on myself. (laughs) 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 From 60 to 100. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes. And to make matters even worse, because our uniforms are bright orange. Like... I crossed the line and I sat down. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. I don't know. If if I would have been left to my own devices, I probably would have done like that puppy booty scoot across the <laughs> to get to my warm-up bag. But I went and I told my coach and she was like, oh, it's okay. It's all the antibiotics. You're going to be okay. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. But yeah, I did that. Like, can I just crawl in a hole? (laughs) 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 Oh my God, that's amazing. That's like, these are like my, those are my favorite questions. Cause like people always have the most surprising. (laughs) But what I love about these horrible stories I have is that 
deep in my social media inboxes, there's going to be a message about something happening to someone. So there was one time where a young athlete, I think maybe, maybe she had a tampon leak or something and she experienced that. And I was like, Oh, well, let me tell you about this one time. (laughs) Now you can survive that. (laughs) Let me make you feel better. (laughs) Hold my beer lady. (laughs) But you are not alone in this one. I love that. So what drove you to this sport? Like, what's your driving force? Because obviously you have to have the intrinsic motivation. You can have other people telling you, you should do this, you should do that. You're good at this, you're good at that. But what got you to be like, this is what I'm going to do with my life? I love that question because I never actually made that decision for myself. Mm -hmm. In school, I played every sport that was available for a girl to play. And when it came springtime, we had a, the only two sports that the school had were was wrestling and track and field. I chose wrestling. My mom vetoed wrestling, even <laughs> though my dad was the coach. And like we lobbied hard for me to be on the wrestling. <laughs> but my mom was not having it. So I ended up on the track team just because I was athletic and I needed to move around. And so it was kind of almost like this is just what we did. I didn't necessarily choose a sport because I loved it. I had never even run track before. This is in 1997. And so I'm just out there. And then on the first day of practice, they said something like track events over here, field events over here. And I understood that if you chose a track event, that meant you had to run. I was completely uninterested in running. So I went to the field events and they explained all the different field events. And I was like, sandpit, that's me. So that's how I chose the long jump. I did my three sports, so basketball, volleyball, and track and field, for four years, all three. Loving them all pretty much equally because it was just like, if this is the fall, this is what we do, and the winter, this is what we do, and it's kind of like that. But when my dad told me that he and my mom wanted me to go to college, but that they weren't interested in paying for it, and that I needed to figure out how to get a scholarship, that's when I decided I needed to like take a hard look and maybe just choose one of the sport so that I could have a better chance on an athletic scholarship kind of really didn't matter because I had a full academic scholarship too, but I just wanted to make sure everything was covered. You know, I looked at myself objectively, which I'm really proud of because at that age, that's hard to do. (laughs) I see it in other other kids that age, but you know, I knew that my basketball skills, my ball handling skills were kind of horrible. I kept outrunning the dribble because I'm running fast, but my (laughs) ball handling skills can't keep up. So I turn over the ball a lot because I either outrun it and lose it and have to run back and get it. And most of the time, by that time, somebody else has gotten it. In volleyball, I was just a little too short to be isolated and identified as like some kind of star player. And I couldn't serve overhand. I just could not figure it out. (laughs) And that was like one of the things you need to do for varsity. So that honestly, by elimination, left track and field. I love it. (laughs) buckled down because I felt like this is my best chance and that's how it happened. That's crazy. So then you just obviously excelled. (laughs) Well, my father and I, we kind of, we did, we went to camps and we learned what we need to learn and changed training strategies. And really the goal was like get Tiana to college and it kind of just like uncovered this whole, I don't want to say talent so much because it required so much learning and work on our part. So it's not that I'm particularly talented at track and field. It's just that we were very intentional with the plans 
and we executed it very well. And then that led to me getting a scholarship, which led to me having access to great coaches. And then suddenly like the rest is like (laughs) (laughs) snowballed from there. So you've been through some serious shit. Mm -hmm. I saw and I think that from the outside looking in, you know, people probably have looked at you or other professional athletes, Olympians, actresses, you know, just like women in the spotlight and been, wow, what an amazing full life they have. And I know for me personally, I struggle with a lot of depression. I have high anxiety. And if you look at my life from the outside, everything is, you know, on the surface, it's great. You know, I have a great husband, house, job, all this stuff. But there's an added level of shame that comes in when you have those feelings. Yes. Because how dare I Mm -hmm. have these feelings when everyone else wishes they could have even just some of these things. Mm -hmm. Will you talk a little bit about that? That's such a huge topic. And honestly, it's kind of what guides my, I don't want to say brand because that seems very inauthentic, but it guides like my messaging or like what the narrative that I'm trying to share with people now. So I feel you on that for, for the entire time I was married. It was like, this is perfect. We are perfect. I'm winning, blah, blah, blah. And in the meantime, I'm like driving two and a half hours to a psychologist so that nobody sees me going into this office and like diagnosed with depression, like liquid band-aids over cuts that I made on my arms myself because bandages would draw attention to it. Like all of this stuff going on. And like you said, sometimes you just want to be like, it is not okay. I am not okay. And when you get close to even admitting that to someone who's like kind of outside that circle, they're like, but you live in this, your house is amazing. Your husband adores you. And it's like, never mind. You're right. What do I have to be upset about? Look at everything you have. Think about everything you have. Yeah. Follow it down. And so I decided, I knew how that made me feel. And I knew how I felt when these like other professional athletes are my peers. So like, I know the life they're living versus the life they show you that they're living. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. First of all, it's exhausting because it's the double life, essentially. And I'm done with the double life thing. That's kind of one of the decisions I made. I was like, I'm not doing that. If that's not how I feel, that's not how I feel. I'd rather post nothing than to post some bullshit. I'm not doing that to people. And I really wanted to encourage other people to not do that to themselves, too, because it is so freeing, scary, but (laughs) freeing to be able to say, no, I am not doing okay right now. So sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got nothing for you. Sorry. And I actually say that to people sometimes because I am one of those people that other people come to and sometimes dump on. And sometimes I have to say, I hear you, but not today. I am not doing well today. I don't have anything to give you. And if I try to like manufacture something, it's going to damage us both. So give me a few days, I'll get back to you. And that is so much better for both of us because it gives that other person permission to stop pouring themselves out when they're empty as well. And so it's kind of a role model situation. Like I don't do that to myself anymore. And hopefully that inspires you to not do that to yourself anymore. Yeah. You got to protect your space. Mm -hmm. 
For sure. And set boundaries. Cause when you are that person, people will go to, it becomes soul sucking. Oh yeah. It's take, 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 take. And it's easy to recognize when it's just one person right. doing the taking, but it's a lot more difficult when you've got like a group of friends, like someone takes a little over here and then someone takes a little over here. And it's what eventually happens is you blow up at the wrong person. <laughs> because <laughs> All these other people took too much from you. And then this one person who just happens to be last to the counter to ask you for something kind of gets the short end of the stick. So if you just protect yourself, then you can you can basically be a better friend, better lover, better wife, whatever it is. If you just are courageous enough to be like, stop. Honest. Yeah. And just, hey, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. So you, you went through this divorce. And you went through a lot of shit personally and on the inside. So like, what was the turning point where you're like, I'm done, not anymore. Like, how did you get to that point where you just decided that you were going to make a huge change? So a couple of things happened and it wasn't necessarily a turning point, but like a really, really slow drip. So I started practicing yoga and originally it was just to complement my training program. I was having trouble sleeping, my central nervous system wasn't going offline so that I could recover. So it got me into like yoga nidra, which is the yoga of sleep and like a deep meditation. And then I got into yin yoga, which is that really slow prop filled class where you don't actually do much work. You just let the props and gravity do the work for you, which is a great counter to a training session. Let me tell you. So that's how it started. But in these yoga classes, I was hearing the yogic philosophy kind of dripping in slowly. Maybe they open the class with a poem where they teach us a chant or something. It just slowly but surely, that along with like me generating body awareness because I was practicing yoga so frequently, started to change the way I felt about myself. I started to understand that I wasn't honoring my body or like who I was. And that started this little journey. The day I knew my marriage was over was like something like, it's so dumb on the surface, but it was like, you know how they say it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was kind of like that. And I had asked to go on vacation after the Rio Olympics because I was tired. (laughs) When I tell you I was exhausted, I was exhausted and all I wanted to do was go to Hawaii because as much as I've traveled the world, I've never been in Hawaii and it's always been like my dream spot for whatever yeah. reason. I imagined that I would go on Airbnb, rent an entire villa, take my laptop and a notebook, sit on the beach and write for a week, maybe um, 10 days. Amazing. That's what I wanted. I'm down. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. That's what I asked for. And the answer I got was, you didn't earn enough to take a vacation like that. No. Oh my (laughs) God. Two gold medals and like all that comes with that. I, for the first time, looked at this man and understood that there would never be anything that I could do that would be enough. And so it was the most discouraging, disheartening, but clarifying thing for me. And I was just like, I actually don't need to try anymore. Like this is done. Like there's nowhere to go from here. And so, yeah, those two things, practicing of yoga and that like one specific event started this whole new reiteration of myself. Wow. 
it really is generally like one of those, like that last little thing. And I know for a fact that at some point he was like, damn it, man, why didn't you just take her to Hawaii? (laughs) (laughs) It would have been something else. (laughs) (laughs) But I know that, I mean, that's how superficial it seems on the surface, but that was like the most eye-opening thing for me. Yeah, well, it would have been it would have been something else, right? I mean, yeah, you just, yeah for me, definitely, because yeah, for sure, the right thing. So obviously, would have been something else. I can't even. I mean, the Olympics, like you just <laughs> <laughs> like there's literally nowhere else for me to go in my job. Yeah, like what more is there at that point? It's go and do it again. Okay. Yeah, I like that you said that because that was the other thing I was worried about. I was worried about what happens when I retire. Since it was clear to me that my worth was really tied up into my accomplishments, right. when I'm done competing, what then? And if two gold medals isn't enough, what happens when I'm just retired? I'm at home with the dogs. What happens then? I like want you to repeat that because I think that so many women are like, when I get here, or when I do this, or when I make this money, or when I get this job, when I lose this weight, when I, there's always a when, when, when. Yeah, there's it. And it's not real. There's always going to be another level we feel like we can access. Or sometimes we're always saying, well, when this happens, I will feel this way. Right. And it's true when that happens, you will feel a certain kind of way. But I guarantee that the way you feel won't be complete. Completion is not what you'll find there. You might have more money. You might feel more confident, but you will not feel complete because that feeling that you are enough comes from inside. There is absolutely nothing on the planet that will not even the ideal man can make you feel like you're enough if you don't believe you're enough. Preach. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to go on because I think that that is like, that is such an amazing thing to end on. It is so important. And that's something that I personally, I'm preach day and night and scream to the top of... Yes mountains is that that self-love and finding that within yourself so what do you do to foster that on a day-to-day basis because you can't just you know all right I moved out of this bad situation and found the self-love and then I'm good right like what do you do on the daily to just keep that going in yourself right self-love is hard I want to say that it's very on trend to like hashtag self-love and self-care or whatever it is (laughs) but I remember waking up the morning after I had like left, like left, physically left. And I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I can have whatever I want for breakfast. (laughs) It was like the weirdest little moment for me. And it was like, okay, so what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) And so that kind of sparked this whole, like I had to play 21 questions with myself essentially because I had no idea who Tiana was. Because Tiana was so busy catering to what other people needed her to be. She didn't even know what her favorite breakfast was at that time. And so for me, self-love was simply like, do you prefer regular gummy bears or sour gummy bears? Do you want to see this movie or that movie? And it was whatever my choice was, I made that choice. I stopped letting myself just go along with stuff. Like if a group of friends said, we're going to go to this vegan restaurant, typically I'd be like, sure, I'll come. But in this phase of my life, I had to say, you know what? I'm not vegan. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time with the spaghetti squash and fake meatballs today. I can't. 
you know? And it's like little things like that. Have your own back first. That's a little bit easier than the whole idea that you have to love yourself because some people aren't there yet. Right. It starts with like giving yourself permission to do something that makes you feel good and then give yourself permission to say no. That's like step one for me. Give yourself permission to say no and then do something you like to do. And over time, it's almost like your true self that's been hiding because you haven't been interested in knowing who or where she was will start to peek out at you and you'll be reintroduced to yourself and you'll fall back in love with that person and what you learn about them over time. So good. (laughs) I love it. All right. I want you to give me a quote, whether it be something that you live by or something that's speaking to you lately. Leave us with a quote. How about I leave you with my mantra? Yeah. This has been my mantra for the last two plus years. And it is, everything is exactly as it should be. Which, when you're going through shit, is not always pleasant. Right. You don't hear it. But it helps you understand that it's necessary. For whatever reason, it's necessary for you to grow necessary catalyst for you to develop some skills that you need for the next level, whatever it is, everything is happening as it should be to get you and usher you from one version of yourself to a better version of yourself. Just keep trucking. (laughs) Amazing advice. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. I'm so excited for people to, to listen to this and welcome it went so fast yeah (laughs) where can people find you i am on instagram facebook and twitter on different handles on each one (laughs) on facebook you can find me at tiana b so it's the letter b but it's like bumblebee b-e-e tiana b and on instagram it's tiana dot bartoletta and on Twitter, it's T.I. Bartoletta. So hopefully we can like type that out or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> like if you send me a message, I'll read it and get back to you and all that stuff. So I look forward to meeting some new friends. You're amazing about that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Rebel Babe Cave. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe. And we'd love it if you left a review. See you next week.